November 8, 2017. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander here with me. Second podcast in two days. So we're getting busy. Um, if you missed the announcement, we're going to do three a week. And we're not going to tie it to specific days because we don't know which days we want to do it on. Because, like, for instance, doing another one before the start of the season doesn't make much sense. So we'll probably do the next one on Saturday so we can look back at Friday night's games. But count on it. We are contractually obligated to do three a week, you'll get three a week. So make sure you are uh, subscribed over at iTunes. Uh, go knock that out when you get a chance. The college basketball regular season is going to begin in now uh, just two days, technically on Friday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. First game, Norlander, do you know who's playing? I don't, but I guarantee you it's a small – actually, you know what? I think I do because I think this team, unless I'm mistaken, GP, and this is a, this is a I guess, half-educated guess, but I believe in the past like two, three years – Eastern Michigan has prided itself on being the actual first game of the season. Am I right? Look at you, you little nerd. It is. It's Eastern yeah. Michigan. They're hosting Spring Arbor. Then that's not a, Oh, wait a second. They're not even playing a D1 team. Spring Arbor is the opponent. Then that, you know what, Eastern Michigan? It doesn't count. I don't oh, want to wow. hear that, although they do have JT4, James Thompson the fourth, who was uh, a beast of a player there. But that doesn't count then, GP. I want the first game between two D1 teams. you know when that's tipping? I mean, I can find out. Lord. You have Google, too, you know? I know, but you, you started this, so I'm just, I'm just lobbing it right back to you. Let me see here. Let me see here. Bring out, bring out the schedule. It's like, this, this is a great I – I know how to find the schedule, Norlander. I, I, I live <laughs> – oh, I, I work on the baby. internet. Second game. We have a lot of uh, noon Eastern tips. Not a lot. We have three. Uh, Savannah State against Cincinnati. Okay. Weber International against Stetson. That nope. yeah, doesn't count. All right. And uh, Treveca Nazarene, that powerhouse yeah. Treveca Nazarene. I, a lot of people miss this because it was so hectic late in the summer. But um, the final four schools for Marvin Bagley were actually Duke, Arizona, uh, USC, and Treveca Nazarene. And so I think about that. Boy, did Kermit Davis dodge a bullet there? Because if Marvin Bagley would have uh, enrolled at Treveca Nazarene, Guess who would be at the Murphy Athletic Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at noon Eastern, ready to tip off Marvin Bagley himself? I'm, I'm guessing Trevecca Nazarene is located in Tennessee then. But, uh, okay, so technically Savannah State and the debut of Kane Broom at Cincinnati, transfer out of the NEC, who sat last year. Cincinnati's going to be a baller team. We'll get into that on, uh, on Friday. But obviously, GP, before all that, you know, we record this podcast yesterday on Tuesday, and we get into all things with your Georgia Tech story. And it is just cosmically, coincidentally bizarre and oddly appropriate that in this just infamous offseason, the two programs, not even that they're just scheduled to meet in the season opener, but that they're scheduled to meet in the season opener on the other side of the planet. And now they're caught up in all this stuff. So if you want to, I know plenty of listeners know the general deal here, but if you want to tee this all up with what's gone down uh, with UCLA, it's made for an interesting past 24 hours. So I was dealing with the Georgia Tech story all day yesterday. Um, the, the sort of the, the, the repercussions of the report and the allegations. And then, of course, I had Ron Bell, the man who has uh, been a longtime friend of Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech. And 
has detailed um, the, alleg- the the NCAA violations he committed. Um, uh, you know, with with multiple Georgia Tech players, which has led to the suspension of two Georgia Tech players. So. Uh, if you want to call Ben Lammers Georgia Tech's best player, that's fine. But Josh Kogi and Todd Jackson would be second and third on that team. They didn't even make the trip to China. They are dealing with what is at this moment an indefinite NCAA suspension because of violations committed by uh, somebody Josh Pastner has referred to as a brother, as a family member. So you had that. Like Georgia Tech was all scandal ridden over in China already. Uh, and then UCLA has to announce that they are monitoring a situation. And shortly thereafter, there are reports that three UCLA players have been detained for uh, allegedly shoplifting at a Louis Vuitton store. So let's just stop for a second and ask this sure. question. Yes. How either dumb or reckless slash childish do you have to be? To go to a communist country and try to steal from a Louis Vuitton story. Uh, okay. I got thoughts. Yeah. That, too, your basketball players. You are not You are not just mixing in with the crowd here. <laughs> You're not. That's the other thing. Like, and, and, uh, you walk into that store. I don't want to, like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get into too many, like, uh, whatever. But, like, let, let's just let Bomani Jones say. Say what he tweeted yesterday, like, "Yo, man, you ain't really blending in in China when you are UCLA basketball players." Yeah, no shot. <laughs> like, like if the if the stereotype is that African Americans uh, uh, have to deal with people being more suspicious than than usual with them when they walk into stores, um, yeah, try doing try try being tall African Americans in China in a Louis Vuitton store. Like, yo, all eyeballs are on you. What are you doing? I'm. <sighs> I, and, and like you've heard like some of this stuff about, uh, you know, they shouldn't be stealing in a communist country. Dude, you shouldn't be stealing ever. <laughs> Do we have to get back? <laughs> that's, like, a, that's a good place to start. But is it fair to point out if you're going to steal like that's the like the like like North Korea is probably like the worst that's place. The worst. OK, yeah. we never hear from these three again. <laughs> if this is in- No, no. The North Koreans will ship them back home in a vegetative state. <laughs> to, like, oh I mean, yeah. That happened, so, Norlander. Like I read the New York Times just as much as anybody else. So, um, yeah, North Korea, probably worst place. But like China ain't a good place. Like I, I, I you know, Ryan Lochte can go to Mexico and, and wild out a little bit. And you can still sort of like get out of Mexico. You know, that like, was that was Brazil. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Brazil. Whatever. Hey, hey, Brazil, Mexico. What's the difference? But uh, you you try this stuff in China, like they'll legit not let you lose uh, leave China. I think Dan Wetzel reported he talked to somebody who's familiar with Chinese law. And it was like, afraid to speak on the record about the Chinese government. Yeah. By the way, oh, by you the, have to, and you have to assume that Wetzel was talking to someone like in the United States. Like I, I doubt. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he got someone actually in China, and that's why they want to speak. But that also speaks volumes that I think there were technically two people not willing to go on the record speaking about the okay. inner workings of Chinese well, law. On, on that note, should we stop this, delete this, and start over? Because I'm not sure I want to speak on the record about the Chinese government either. You know, <laughs> like, I got a flight in the morning, man. I ain't trying to get detained by the Chinese government. That ain't the way I want to live my life. You're not flying to China. You're good. I'm not flying to China. That's true. So, um, yeah, like Wetzel's quote was like, they're legitimately looking at three to ten years in, in prison. Like a Chinese prison. Like, what in the world? And so not only were these Chinese attorneys, presumably Chinese attorneys, um, hesitant, if not unwilling, to speak out against the Chinese government, guess who else wouldn't say anything? 
of the, all people, the big baller himself, LeVar Ball. Like the like, like Stephen A. Smith can't keep LeVar Ball quiet. The Lakers can't keep LeVar Ball quiet. Nobody, Charles Barkley can't keep LeVar Ball quiet. But like, yo, uh, Leangelo's in a Chinese uh, being detained in in China right now. I'm just gonna cool out for a minute and uh, yeah, let's just keep quiet for a minute. So that was another remarkable thing. Mm. The, we finally figured out what can muzzle LeVar Ball, and it is uh, the Chinese government. It's a, such a – GP, it's, it really is a bizarre story in, in what has been a bizarre offseason. And, yes, for LeVar – I mean, all right, let me run down a few things here. Like, one, Arash Markazi, who's a senior writer with ESPN, they actually sent him over to cover this because – ESPN is going to broadcast the game, so who gets and, better assignments, by the way, than Arash? I know. Like yeah. he, he's like, like I, I love Arash. He's been on the radio so many times. I consider him a friend. Like it, every time I look up, he's like in L.A., in Las Vegas, and now he's sure. in China. Like he, no. like, he gets some good assignments, man. Like and it I, pays off in a huge way because otherwise, like this was like whatever Leangelo. If this had not like happened, I'm at a stupid ass Memphis East Carolina basketball game, and Arash is in China, like kicking it at a five star hotel. But Leangelo probably at best, and I'm I'm really being optimistic here. Like in a blowout, he might have seen the floor for ten minutes in that Georgia Tech game. Um, yeah, but, but now, now, he, now he might not see now he might not see a tree again for three years. <laughs> Think about that for well, a second. I'll get into that. I'll get into that. But um, so he just happens to be over there, and Lavar was going to set up. I mean, this tweet was incredible that Arash sent last night, where he was saying. Uh, LeVar is planning to do a, a press conference in his hotel suite here in China. I know of no other media members that will be attending. So it's like, what? <laughs> and then that eventually gets canceled because... That's not a press conference, by the way. That's a conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was it was a tremendous tweet. Because um, uh, I, I, in all fairness, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution opted to send a writer to China as well. And at, in fact, the AJC was the first, I believe, to report that Chinese authorities had come to the team hotel to question UCLA players and Georgia Tech players. And I still think with this whole story, there are elements there that we don't know. Uh, Steve Alford has barely said anything on the record. He just confirmed to the AP and I believe to ESPN that uh, these three freshmen will, in fact, not be playing uh, in Friday's game, which is obviously to be presumed as is. If they can even get to the game or even allowed to be at the game, that's a whole other situation. Because right now we should point out they they're not in a jail or a no. detention center, but being they the, but they are being held in their hotel. The rest of the team has flown to Shanghai. Well, I think driven because it's only like two hours twenty minutes away. Okay. Well, so, however, they've left. Yes, they have left. They they are yes, basically. But, it's but the, not, the, the, the three UCLA players, including Leangelo Ball, they have to stay back at that hotel, which uh, you know is, begs the question: Is that the worst thing in the world? You get hey hey guys, you can't leave this five star hotel. Okay, cool. We'll just hang out here and order yeah, I know. Service. They can literally like apparently, according to Arash, walk anywhere they want in the hotel. People can come see him, but yeah, they are contained yeah. within this you know really nice upscale hotel. Yeah, uh, that basically to me sounds like Home Alone too. Fair enough, but no. But look, let's also be, let's also take the situation as seriously as as it deserves. Because although they were released on bail and probably some some uh, negotiations going on behind the scenes there, there are still probably you know Chinese authorities that are not happy. What they don't they don't want to be embarrassed by this. Okay, they don't want to have 18, 19 year old Americans, you know, these athletes coming in thinking they can swipe some Louis Vuitton sunglasses. 
get a, a stern talking to and then be let off scot-free 48 hours yeah, later particularly, to fly home. There are, there are going to be people there that don't want that to happen. Particularly, and when, make- particularly when our president is constantly yelling about their currency manipulator. Like, you know, they exactly. are, they already don't love the United States, or at least I would assume they don't. Yeah. Like, and- mo- most of the people in the United States don't love the United States right now. So so you can't imagine the, Chi- the Chinese are that happy with our, our administration. So, yeah, I mean, that is the other complicated thing. On one hand, man, you can't be throwing basketball players from Westwood in a Chinese jail for three years. On the other hand... Yo, if these were three Chinese kids, they'd be in jail for three years. So we really going to let the Americans just pop back to the continental United States? It's a complicated deal. Yeah, and, and it, what, what is a little – more than a little, I guess what's terrifying for, um, for, these, three, for these three players is that the, the whole due process and the way that the Chinese authorities handle arrests is not what we do in the United States of America. That Wetzel story, which I do recommend people go and read. I mean, you can basically be held without any real rights for weeks upon a time. And then if you're found guilty of these crimes, you know, there's just the success rate is above 99 percent for <laughs> conviction. Now, convictions can vary and it could be anything uh, for punishment from from stern fines to three to ten years in prison. And no, I don't think any of these players are going to be spending any time behind bars. I am interested to see if they're able even to fly back with the team or if they're going to fly back separately or if it's going to be be a scene like out of our at the end of Argo where they're trying to get on the plane and get the hell out of there and get back to the United States. I'm also intrigued by this element of like. I don't know the other two players all that well, the other freshmen, but, you know, and I don't know LiAngelo that well, but was he thinking like, yeah, man, I'm LiAngelo Ball. I'm a big baller. I'm LeVar's son, man. I can get away with this. Like, I, I want to know what went into the thinking there because you had to be oh, so – Oh, I think it's very fit. simple. Like, like they're young and tons of them. The young people just do dumb stuff. I mean, but, like, how dumb do you have to be? Very you? dumb. Very, like, like super be, duper like, dumb. Like, uh, there is a difference between, like – yeah, man, we went to a party, everyone was drinking, we got drunk, and I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning on this dude's front lawn. I did a dumb thing versus in, I would presume, you know, just, I don't know, broad daylight, but, it, you know, they were, they were the authorities came to the hotel, like, really early in the morning, so the, the day before, the night before, just thinking that you can get away with pilfering some sunglasses, and I don't even know how good Louis Vuitton sunglasses are. That might be something you wear, that's they're not nice. my... They're that's nice, they're nice, they're nice, man, they're nice. Yeah. I remember my I was out in Vegas several years ago, like maybe eight years ago, like for AAU stuff, right? It's a long time ago because I, I didn't really have uh, like I, listen, I don't really have Louis Vuitton money now. I'm not trying to pretend like I I got I shop at Louis Vuitton every day, but like whatever kind of money I have now, I had significantly less then, okay? And uh, and so I was out in Vegas, and my wife love her to death. She said, um, "Hey, I noticed there's a Louis Vuitton store right by your hotel." You know, I'd really like something from there. And I said, uh, sweetheart, I'm probably not even going to wake up by the time, you know, until it's time to go straight to the airport, but I'll do my best. And so I did my best and I, uh, I woke up a little early and I said, okay, I'll take a, I'll take a cab down to the Louis Vuitton store or walk down to Louis Vuitton store, however I, got, however I can get there. And I'll pop in and I'll grab her something and then like, man, I'll fly home and land and walk in the door with a Louis Vuitton bag and uh, woo, she'll she'll love me to death. Like that'll be a successful trip. She won't even ask me how much money I lost playing blackjack. She'll just be so happy with the present. I thought it through. I thought. So I walk in that store and I start looking around, and I'm like, holy crap! Like everything in here is four thousand dollars. Like what what am I supposed to do? So I finally find a keychain. Okay, I mean it, it's legit a keychain, but it's a four hundred dollar keychain or three hundred. Oh. 
Dude. There are people that buy this crap. Dude, it is like a, a legit $300 keychain. I mean, it's the type of thing you put on your keys, hence the name, keychain. But it's like maybe it's a key wallet. But So, like, you could put credit cards in it. But it is only big enough for you to put credit cards in it. Like, if I wanted to have something to hook to my keys to also put my license and two credit cards in it, this is what I bought her. And it was like... It was like $300. I'm trying to see if I can find it online right now. Accessories, fashion jewelry, blah, blah, blah. Some key holders. Here it is. I'm trying to... Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where? It's about like this thing I'm looking at now. A petite bag charm and key. And this right now is listed at $435. Get out of here. All right. So that's what I bought. So, of course, she texts me and she's like, Hey, no big deal, but like, uh, did you have a chance to go by the Louis Vuitton store? And I said, I did have a chance to go by the Louis Vuitton store. Can't wait to see you. Love you so much. And so I fly home. She's excited now. She's like, Gary just went by the Louis Vuitton store. And so uh, I come home and I've got the bag. And the bag is like, it looks like a normal size bag. <laughs> Not like a huge bag where you could maybe put like, you know, a, 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 you know, seven basketballs in it. But it's a bag, a normal size bag. So I said, hey, here you go. And she opens up the bag. Now think of what this box might looks like. It's the size of a credit card. It looks like if I had a, if I had a box that was perfectly built for to hold a credit card. That's what she pulled out of the bag, and she's like, "What is this?" And I was like, "You open it up," because I don't know if I did a good thing or a bad thing. And uh, she opens it up, and she's like, "This is what you got?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I got." Like, and she was like, "Oh, well, I was expecting like something different." I was like, "Something different." Like I'm looking at the bags right now. The cheapest one I can find is twenty five hundred dollars. That's the cheapest one. So I was like, this costs $400. And you don't, wait, we don't have $400 just be throwing around on Louis Vuitton keychain. And she like, she like, like rolled her eye. Like she thought I had failed her. I was like, so what did you expect? I was supposed to go spend $2,600 on a stupid bag? Like, like what? And so like, I just remember that being a, like a weird thing. And she still to this day has that Louis Vuitton uh, key holder. But, but it, to wrap this all up, guess what I got her? for her, her birthday was, uh, I guess, September. So guess what I actually got her? We're moving up. We ain't quite big baller level yet, but we're moving up. Well, got, like, so you're asking me what is the next brand level up from Louis Vuitton? No, it's Louis Vuitton. I got her a Louis okay. Vuitton. Okay, so you moved up from the chain. I'll say a lipstick holder. That's 650 Oh, no, no, no. I got her a, a um, planner, a Louis Vuitton planner. Okay, so you know what this is? It's you get like paper from Office Depot and you put it in the rings. Yes. And you can plan stuff. You can write stuff in it. Use is that anymore? I don't have any idea. Like it's all on. It's all digital now. I, I thought the same thing, but I was in no position to argue with her. I had to ask her what she. You know how much that cost? Uh, I, I'm gonna be obscenely offended no matter what number you throw out there. Like eleven hundred dollars. Get out of here! I swear to God, I bought it. Get out of here! I swear, I swear. Is it cr- that, so? That's what we're dealing with there. So Louis Vuitton sunglasses. I never bought a pair, but I bet you they're, I bet you they're a thousand bucks. Like the, yeah. the the whole thing's crazy. It's it's crazy. And Let's see, it's, do we know? Is that what they got? Sunglasses? Yeah, um, I believe. Uh, Arash reported that it was sunglasses, but we'll wait to see more. Here's the, as we wrap this up before we hit on all the Alabama stuff. Um, UCLA, as, a, as of us recording this podcast here, and we've just crossed the noon hour Eastern time on Wednesday. Cheapest we pair of Louis Vuitton sunglasses, seven hundred no six hundred and five dollars. 
relatively affordable. Okay. I know what I uh, I know what somebody's getting for their birthday next September. <laughs> UCLA has not released a statement other than to acknowledge on Tuesday that uh, it was cooperating with authorities and it offered no further comment at this time. Uh, I think it's fair to say that that program in general uh, is feeling pretty locked down amid all this. They don't want to say anything even out of school, off record or anything like that. Uh, LeVar got uh, asked in the lobby. Uh, he didn't really offer a comment. He said it ain't a big deal. I mean, I would disagree with that overall. Um, <laughs> he, and, let's stop for a second. He thinks literally everything is a big deal. I, he thinks a AAU. He thinks a grassroots basketball referee asking him to stay within the coaching box is a big deal. But Leangelo being detained by Chinese police is not. Just, I just want to make sure everybody understands. And and I guess I, I shouldn't. I was a little surprised he was over there at first, but I guess I was like, no. Why would I be surprised? No, he would want to be in China. He want he wants to expand BBB as much as he can. Now this is. Obviously, a lot of negative publicity that he wanted nothing to do with. And I believe LaMelo is over there with him as well. So it's a whole bizarre thing. And just to, to help uh, listeners get an idea of where they are, it's like where the rest of the UCLA team is right now. It's like if they were in Providence and uh, Leangelo is in New York City. Like it's not as if you're driving a few minutes down the road. Like there's a solid two-hour drive between them. Uh, it remains to be seen when they are even let, let out. And then when they are, maybe they will be by the next time we podcast – Maybe they won't be how they're going to be able to be let let home. And as coincidence would have it, uh, Trump is actually scheduled to visit China like later this week or whatever. And dude, if we get a, if we get a if we get a have to get involved. But I do think that it is um, plenty amusing that people have compared LeVar Ball's speak it into existence, arrogance, pulling things out of nothing and taking all this credit and just call. I've, I've had at least five college coaches since the summer, say LeVar Ball is the Donald Trump of sports. And now, very well, they could be on a collision course. If we get a Donald Trump-LeVar Ball press conference or even Donald Trump I can't answering a question about the big baller, uh, that's, I'm, here for, I'm here for that. I'm absolutely here for that. <laughs> Let's just talk seat geek and move on. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be a complicated process, but there's now a better, simpler way to do it, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. That's what I've learned over the years, thanks to SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. That's all it takes, two taps. SeatGeek uh, uh, has that app. I've got it on my phone, and you should too, because it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. Uh, it allows me and you to be anywhere in any stadium or arena, and with just a few taps, like I said, you can instantly find the seats that you want. I'm not just a fantasy geek, also a customer. I just used it uh, to buy uh, tickets to a Ryan Adams show recently uh, that was in uh, my hometown of Memphis. And next time I need tickets, I'm going to use it again. SeatGeek saves you time and money uh, by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find uh, amazing deals. What it does is it, it grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that also fit your budget because not everybody has a big baller budget. Plus, every purchase is fully uh, guaranteed, meaning that you can shop at tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So make sure uh, SeatGeek is your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And there's uh, good news for you as well. Listeners of this podcast, um, you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got nice. to do, do is use the – appreciate you chiming in, Norlander. All you got to do is use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB. So 
Download the SeatGeek app. Make sure to enter the promo code COLLEGEBB today. That's promo code COLLEGEBB for $20 off your SeatGeek purchase. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. I didn't want to enter. You had a good flow, but I was I was appreciating that tremendous discount, and I wanted to inject my enthusiasm and my <laughs> approval for it. That's all. I appreciate you uh, doing it. So we mentioned um, that uh, Friday night, or actually Friday morning, um, everything gets started, and uh, on Friday night, uh, it is once again the Veterans Classic, which is the at the United States Naval Academy. I've been there the past few years. Tremendous event. It's just a cool place to be. Like you, you see all those um, amazing young men and young women. I mean, just take basketball, throw it over here for a second. It's just a really cool place to be. Like um, you, you want to um, uh, understand, reach a point where y- you have a very good grasp on how just lazy you are. Like, go be around those young men and, and young women who are at the United States Naval Academy. And so uh, I love being there. I'm not going to be there this year because I'm actually going to be in studio at CBS Sports Network. So I'll be on pregame, halftimes, and, and postgame. It, uh, it should be a lot of fun. But the first game of that event, I think it tips maybe 6.30 Eastern. It's Alabama against Memphis. And it's supposed to be a breakthrough season for Avery Johnson. And it might still be a breakthrough season for Avery Johnson, but – Oh, boy, you talk about bad luck to start the season um, or just bad headlines to start the season. Um, Alabama's dealing with them. They announced earlier this week that they're holding Colin Sexton, who is like their prized recruit, one of the best prospects to enroll at Alabama in recent years. Um, he's being held out because of his role or his father's role and a former staffer's role in, in the FBI investigation. And Braxton Key, who's the leading returning scorer, considered entering the NBA draft after last season, ultimately, I think, wisely decided to come back to, to, to Alabama and play with Colin Sexton. Now Sexton's out, Braxton Key's out. Memphis, we've talked about before, uh, the roster is way below Memphis's normal historical standards. Like, it's insane to think the same school that – once recruited Dewan Wagner and Derrick Rose and Tyreek Evans and Chris Douglas Roberts and uh, Joe Jackson and um, uh, Adonis Thomas and Will Barton is in Austin Nichols is now dealing with the roster that they got. It just like, whoa. But, but like, if you're Alabama, you don't want to, you know, so Alabama's still going to be favored. Alabama should still win the game. But my God, you had to start the season without your best incoming player and most talented player. Plus your leading returning score. That's not that's not good stuff. It's problematic for the Tide here. So this is this is a team and a program that enters or was entering 2017-2018 with as much expectation, I think, and, and honestly a generation. You can make the case that Colin Sexton is the most talented and coveted recruit in program history. And if you look at the modern history of recruiting services, they've never had a player as highly rated as Colin Sexton. But with that acknowledgement, obviously – if you're not a, a traditional top 30 college basketball program and you land a top 15 recruit that is not from your state, you're going to get skepticism and cynicism, I think, both within college basketball circles and then just from fan bases that are going to be looking to, to bring you down and, and sling some arrows anyway. So I, I'm not talking out of school here. Bama recruited Sexton and very well could have been doing plenty of it on the up and up. Uh, and the way that Sexton plays, Avery Johnson, an NBA point guard, there's a lot of reasons to bring him into the program. But right now, because of the FBI complaint, it, it all ties back to less than 36 hours after the FBI story broke, Alabama announced that it had 
a staffer, a low-level staffer, not a coach, not a dobo, but a, a guy named uh, Kobe Baker, I believe. Kobe um, Baker. Kobe Baker. He, he handed in his resignation. And with that, um, you could connect the dots easily. And in fact, I think uh, Alabama's uh, news service, uh, Tuscaloosa News, also reported that. So Baker allegedly met with uh, Rashawn Michelle, the clothier based out of Atlanta. Sexton's from Georgia. He's actually the only recruit in and Alabama's freshman's class, who's from Georgia. And the uh, the context of that meeting, per the FBI files, was for this, uh, uh, in the report, the unnamed uh, staffer to arrange a meeting between Michelle and the father of a high-level recruit. Now, uh, what I'm hearing now is that, yes, the NCAA is reviewing Sexton's eligibility, but is there going to be something else there that ties Sexton to anyone else in the FBI case? And if that's the case then he could very well not be eligible for the entire year. We have not hit that point yet, but he is indefinitely ineligible. We have hit that next stage. I believe firmly that we're going to have other players that are not playing on Friday that are tied to schools that are in this FBI case. Sexton is arguably as valuable as almost anyone else that is uh, that could be – like he's a better player that means more than Brian Bowen did to Louisville, and Bowen's plenty talented. He's not Colin Sexton, who's uh, just quick with the ball, great handle – really good on-court vision and and command of an offense. He's a very fun player. Like, you remove any sort of element of, like, okay, was he brought to Alabama nefariously? Like, eliminate that. Like, he is an awesome dude to watch. He would be on my top ten players to see in college basketball this season. But we just don't know if he's going to have them. They don't have Braxton Key, I think, for at least a month because he has a meniscus tear. He got got knee surgery on it. He's not going to miss the entire season. He is their leading returning scorer. I mean, between Braxton Key, Dayson Ingram, they've got a really solid pair of sophomores there. I think Key is a little bit better. Um, but not having him and not having Sexton changes things in the, um, undeniably in the big picture immediately. If you don't have Key, if that, if that drags on, if the, if the recovery, like, say, it lasts until December or January and Sexton, I think it legitimately hinders Alabama's chances at being an NCAA tournament team. And this is a team that, at full strength, we have in the top 20, the CBS Sports Top 25 and 1. But now you don't have them. They they need to they need to figure out how they're going to manage this. They still have talent on the roster, and yeah, I still think have, they've got they're, a they're shot. They're not top twenty five without those guys. There's no shot. I yeah. mean, they're not even close. I do think they've got a chance to be top forty five without him. But let's just see what Avery can do this year. The Sexton stuff. Let's just uh, let's see let's see what happens next here. Um, obviously, this is a huge issue for Bama, and now they have to determine whether or not. Um, there was anyone else connected to Sexton here tied within the FBI's investigation. And if that's the case, you know, was any money exchanged to Sexton's family or Sexton overall? If that was then if that's if that happened, then he's just never going to play for Alabama and he's just going to go off and be in the NBA next year and he'll never play in a tied uniform. We're not at that point yet. I'm not saying we're going to get to that point. I'm just saying that is definitely a possibility out there. And that's stuff that you can easily take from just the FBI's overall report combined with Alabama. And what's already uh, what the school's already acknowledged at this and, point. And I don't want to repeat uh, past podcasts, and we're going to get out of here in just a second. But um, it's just a reminder: this, this amateurism thing is a, it, it's, it, it will not work. It does not work. And now here's another college player who may never be a college player. Um, yeah, because his father allegedly might have done something in violation of the NCAA rules, and like you know, shame on his father because like the rules are the rules, whether we all think they're stupid or not. The rules are the rules. You know, I, I don't. I'd like to think I wouldn't jeopardize my son's eligibility 
um, if in a similar situation. But I, I recognize it's hard to say what you would do um, unless you're in that situation. Nobody's ever offered me tens of thousands of dollars to someday send my son somewhere. Um, if they do, then, then I guess we'll see how I handle it. But um, it's just a reminder, amateurism is not going to work. It has not been working for a long, long time, and it will not work going forward. You can form all the NCAA committees you want to form. They can have all the smartest people and well-intentioned people on the planet working as hard as they can work. But as long as you're tied to amateurism, this stuff never, ever, 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 ever goes away. And, uh, you know, I, listen, I, it's sort of interesting because, and we'll wrap this back around, <clears throat> I think all these NCAA rules that prevent people from taking accepting what what other people want to to give them are ridiculous and outdated and problematic to the core of the sport um but i don't feel too bad for say josh akogi and and todrick jackson right now because they did what they did they got on those planes they accepted those shoes they committed the violations it's quite different when your father does it you know like colin sexton i'm just gonna assume didn't know that his dad was taking meetings set up by an Alabama staffer to maybe accept a lot of money to f- maybe funnel him to a financial advisor someday. It's it's possible that he didn't know. I'm I'm not naive or foolish, but like I'm, just, I'm just, let's for the base for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that Colin Sexton just he's just a he's a he's an 18 year old kid doing 18 year old stuff. Like when you were 18 or 28 or any age, did you know what meetings your father was taking? Like when I was 18, my, my, my dad could have been meeting with the FBI or the mob. I don't have any idea like I don't, and, and wouldn't have cared. And so it's reasonable to believe that Colin Sexton had no idea what his father was allegedly doing here. And now you've been, you know, you've been playing basketball your whole life, basically year round. You enroll in school, you're ready to go. And you can't play because of something your dad might have done? Like – that's tough, man. And I, I'm not saying that he, you know, clear him today, free Colin Sexton. Like, I ain't going to start the hashtag. But I am sympathetic to that. Like, it's possible this young man did nothing wrong and knew nothing about anything that might have been wrong. And yet his college season may never get started. That's That sucks for, you know, that, that sucks for him. Him. I'll let, you know, Alabama can pay whatever price. The dad can pay whatever price. But it does suck for Colin Sexton. And, and I, you know what? And I'll throw Brian Bowen in that as well. Yeah, it does. I but uh, like, yeah, and I definitely don't want to come off uh, for, for both of us, but me specifically, like, I will always advocate for for player rights in this, but I'm not going to simply re- remove any and all responsibility from the players as well, because there are rules as is, and just you know, breaking rules doesn't mean that that's going to eliminate the system that we have in general. There are so many more things that go into this process, um, so. If truly the players don't know, then yeah, then we're, we're going to give them th- the benefit of the doubt in that regard. But I also find it uh, to be a little bit foolish to just make that automatic presumption because that's not going to happen in every case. It's probably not going to happen in most cases. And when you do break rules that you know are there, yeah, you're going to have to face some consequences and some punishments. They are related, but yet at the same time, uh, not directly connected. Uh, each of these cases and then just the overall structure of how the NCAA works versus these guys that could have been breaking rules well, over there. So well, I want to be clear about that. Cause so we, I think we do get some, some feedback on this um, 
I don't think we are we are uh, apologists for these players whatsoever. No, but no, no, no. Listen, there's you can no point out the flawed system, well, and, but also point out that the, the, the player screwed up as well. And so I know there's somebody out. Well, you know, it's possible the player didn't screw up when it, if the in the Colin Sexton situation. Yeah. You know, when the Josh sure. in the Josh Kogi Todd Jackson situation, they screwed up. They are the ones in a pool in Arizona where they know they shouldn't have been. Um, with Colin Sexton, it is very possible he didn't do anything wrong. And so I know there's some people saying, okay, well then, how can you hold a student athlete responsible for something they had no idea about um, that that their parents or uncle or brother or, or AAU coach did? And the 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 counter to that is, how can you not? Because as long as you're going to have these stupid, outdated rules, and I want to be very clear, I'm for getting rid of the rules. But as long as you're going to have the rules. You've got to hold the student athlete responsible for what the parent does. Otherwise, the parent just goes out and cuts the deal, and mm-hmm. and the student athlete always says, "I didn't know." And then what are you right. going to do? So you got as long as you've got the stupid rules, you've got to hold the student athletes responsible for what their parents or handlers do. Um, but in a, on a very basic human level, if if you are willing to believe that it's reasonable to conclude that maybe just maybe. Colin Sexton's father took a meeting and perhaps accepted money without Colin Sexton having any idea, then we can acknowledge that it sucks that Colin Sexton might have to pay the price for that. I don't know how to avoid it other than change the system completely. Uh, But Colin Sexton, according to the rule book, has to be held accountable for his father's actions. And if his father did something outside of the rule book um, and got caught by the FBI, well, well, here we are. And I'm not... um, Sure, if or when Colin Sexton will ever play, but it does seem pretty clear by Alabama's own statement that um, you know it, 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 it could be a process and it, it probably won't be a Friday night in the season opener, and that's, that's too bad for him, uh, if nothing else. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to the homie, Terry M.F. and Teagle. Remember, you can subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. So please do that. Uh, rate it favorably. That stuff matters. So if you like, uh, if you're one of those people who send us nice tweets all the time, uh, the and, and thank us for doing this, uh, the way we say you're we, we say you're welcome and we appreciate you saying that. Now please go do us a favor and uh, rate it favorably because that apparently matters. Type nice things about me if you want to add Norlander to it as well. You can do that. Add Norlander to it. Okay, it's not, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not necessary. If you want to add Norlander, I won't delete it, but. You don't you have to. That's my. I, I will. I will turn it in as spam. <laughs> so so you don't have to add Norlander, but if you do, I won't be offended. Either way, we're going to be back. Let's just go ahead and say on Saturday, early Saturday, we will podcast. Um, we'll be able to, to look back at the opening nights. Uh, uh, opening night of games. That'll be, uh, uh, you know, a lot of ranked teams in action, including UCLA without Leangelo Ball. Uh, but what is the biggest game from the opening Friday night? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't, but as you look, I'll uh, let listeners know that between now and the next podcast, we will uh, we'll have our All-American teams, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, both coll- collectively at CBSSports.com. We got you know the writing team plus you know uh, CBS Sports analysts like Clark Kellogg in there. Um, spoiler alert, I believe he has an unexpected, but maybe not totally surprising Big Ten team in his Final Four. So we're going to have all of that go up, I believe, on Thursday. On Thursday, I'm going to have uh, just a, a post about a bunch of wacky, fun, wild predictions. And then I believe GP will have his annual 68 things I can't wait oh, to Oh, that's always fun to do, isn't it? Oh, you love doing that, man. Oh. I know you love it. You cannot wait. I, yeah. bet you, I bet you're already like halfway done at this point. I bet you <laughs> are just 
well yeah. into that, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm almost there. The 68 things is always fun, right until you get to about number 24. And you're like, oh, God. And you're like, holy crap. I hear you. Um, do you have the best game on Friday? I, I should know it, but uh, this week has been nuts. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if it'll be the best game, but it is the only game between two ranked teams. It starts at 6 Eastern. It is on a competing network. It's Texas A&M against West Virginia in Germany, yeah. but Texas A&M, they, they don't have any other players. Yeah, that's... They're holding out like everybody. Well, A&M should, uh, A&M should, should be, I'm guessing, uh, six-point underdog. Although that line's not out yet, so we'll see. You tell me Texas A&M sitting out real players and they got to deal with Press Virginia? Lay the points. Lay the freaking points. Okay. I'm laying points. You can do whatever you want to. I'm going to Germany and laying points. Okay. We'll be back on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll recap the opening night of the regular season. So uh, hang in there. The games are almost here. Till then, take care.